Oscar Poker. Sunday morning, heard the preacher say, Thou shalt not kill. I don't wanna hear nothing else about kill, and that is God. It's not an interview. It's hard to stay on an interview uh, track. So we were just were swirling all over the place, uh, conversationally speaking. So um, it was a lot of fun. But before you knew it, uh, Emily from Strategy came and said, okay, time to cut it off. And I didn't realize we were on a clock. But um, So I'm going to call him again, I guess. Are you talking about Tony Gilroy? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we're recording now. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I had a great time with him, and I... And I'm doing better with this one um, than I am with his others. My my problem with Tony Gilroy is that I'm either too slow to get that his film is really good. Like, Michael Clayton became a mythical film for me once I started watching it on Blu-ray. I mean, I must have seen that. I must have seen that film easily. I'm not exaggerating. 11 or 12 times now. <clears throat> and uh, the first couple of times, it was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Not bad. But it got better and better and better. Sometimes films <clears throat> become amazing the more you watch them. You know, they just get better and better. Others, as you know, uh, drop precipitously after the first viewing. You know, one time and you're out, and then it, you don't want to watch it again. Right. right. <clears throat> but but that was one of those uh, things. And I I didn't and I wasn't smart enough, not enough brain cells to understand uh, duplicity, the um, Julia Roberts thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, my, my ex-wife who I took to see it, she thought it, she understood it and she thought it was great, but I didn't understand it clearly enough. But this one, which is called the born legacy is, is in its, within its own realm. And it tries to link itself up to the other born movies. It's very efficient, very well done, but I can't, uh, really, uh, get into it too much, uh, because it's, uh, Bargo time. So it's what it's it's embargoed, I believe until. Early August sometime, uh, mid-August. Okay. I mean, not mid-August, uh, August 5th or something like that. Oh, so <clears throat> that means it's not very good. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's like, you know, it's, it's very good within the realm that it operates in. They decided, Universal decided, Gilroy decided, that the fans are really, they're into the Bourne movies the way they're into the Bond movies, right? They swear by them. They feel that they're, they really pay attention to all the details, and they're really want to know what happened with this character and what about the thread with this one, and they're very m- almost manic about it. Mm-hmm. So they felt they had to kind of be close to and adhere to 
the, the world and the storyline, for that matter, of what the last one was doing. So this kind of ties into that. I personally disagree with that. He doesn't say I'm wrong or right. But he just says that this is the, the you know, <clears throat> he calls the movie a whaling voyage that he went on for two years. You know, he left New Bedford with Captain Ahab and they went around the world. And now they're back. So um, that, that's one of the best lines he's given me in a long time, actually. Well, so I'm really putting you asleep, and I'm putting Phil to sleep. So no, uh, talk I, I about think that, something I think that, that's not uh, going to put you to sleep. Well, I mean, we have two things to talk about, which is mm-hmm. um, the Dark Knight and yeah. the box office, um, yeah. as affected by one of probably right. the worst worst movie uh, shooting, tragedy in the history of uh, shooting uh, massacre in the history of this country in terms of how many people the guy shot. Right. right. I don't think it, it's the most deaths, but it's certainly the most casualties. It's the most injuries in America. And also, you know, uh, somebody was, uh, was it Nolan who said, or said something about the, the bedroom-like intimacy of a theater? It's, it's really supposed to be, which is such a violation of that sanctity, that kind of church-like atmosphere. It's really about worship and communion and for uh, tear gas and machine gun bullets to be uh, just on, on, almost worse than if it had happened on the street or something, you know, because it's oh. like a violation of that temple, of that church, you know. I don't know. I, I can't even. I mean, but, well, I just wanted to really quickly say um, that hats off to you, Phil, for taking a stand when the New York Times asked you about box office and you said you weren't going to report on it. I think that's amazing. I've never seen anyone do that, and I applaud you. And um, Yeah, thank you. That That means a lot. I mean, from – just just to backtrack a little bit and and where that kind of decision came from i mean you know i woke up you know it was maybe like eight nine o'clock in the morning eastern time and you know i i I was expecting to just get up and and post the midnight numbers and it was just going to be you know business as usual and i just had this flood of emails and and calls you know people looking to comment and and i decided very early on that there, there was no possible way i would ever make any kind of comment about you know, was the the Dark Knights was it adversely affected at the box office as a result of this? Because if you do that, I'm sorry, you're you're attaching, um, you know, uh, money to human life. That that's directly what you're doing. I mean, what what do what do people want me to say that it lost you know five hundred thousand dollars for every casualty? Mm-hmm. Like, what what are you supposed to say in that situation? I would say so it, it it did what it did. It made one hundred sixty one million dollars, and and that's it. I mean, we'll report that, but I'm not ever going to say that I'm not even going to make that connection ever in an article. Why would anybody make that connection on their own? But I guess I guess what what they were saying, what they were imagining is that people feel felt perhaps there were some who felt skittish about going there because they they felt on some level that that it was a, a kind of a creepy experience because of the association of that horrible crime and uh that's why they imagined that there might be an effect. I, I think that's what they were getting at, right, Phil? Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 no different than if you know uh, it were to happen in an airport, at a school, anything like that. You know, it, a big tragedy like this happens, and and people think twice about doing what they do on a daily basis. You know, the same way you wouldn't fly after nine and eleven necessarily. Some people wouldn't, or the same way you know parents might keep their kids home from school if another school shooting happened in their area. I mean, people are, are justifiably afraid. And, um, you know, I think there's always when something like, like this happens, the thought of, 
you know, holy shit, I hope there's not, you know, copycats out there. Um, you know, and I, I respect I respect Warner Brothers for later that evening saying, look, we're not going to report grosses because they did that morning even put out midnight grosses, which I felt was kind of a bit too soon. I mean, it, it just didn't seem to be right to me. I mean, to, to, to basically start bragging about, you know, grosses when this national tragedy has happened. I mean, it, it just, it was in poor taste. So I was glad they switched gears and, you know, certain, certain reporters who shall go nameless on here, but, um, you know, we all know who turned the, turned the tide in terms of reporting on this. I think right. there was one big reporter who, who decided they needed to report on this no matter what. And that changed things, but I wasn't going to stoop to that level. You know, whatever. I want to be on the right side of history on this, and and I think that we are. So you absolutely are, and it took guts. Yeah. I thought. It, well, yeah, it does. I mean, when everybody else is gonna, you know, go out there with numbers, I mean, you know, it it's not an easy decision to make. But I'm not, you know, I I'm not gonna let traffic dictate. You know, you, the responsibility first is as a human being, I think, and and you know, traffic comes and goes and, and whatever. Well, may I know. ask something as a, uh, as a, in a, in a, in a, I'm just wondering what's the standard here? Uh, the, the standard that you decided in your head was that not this weekend, because this is the first weekend. It just happened a day or two ago. So I'm not going to go there this weekend, but you're going to go there next weekend, right? Well, I mean, let me clarify that too. I mean, our, our, the, the, the statement that I posted that morning was that, look, we'll, we'll report anything that, Warner Brothers officially comes out with, but we're not going to make a flashy headline out of it. We're not going to um, build it up or anything like that. And the reporting is going to be very brief and concise. And, you know, that's what we did with the midnight number. But mm-hmm. I essentially buried that. I, I put in, I made the conscious decision to put stories about, you know, um, what mm-hmm. developing, uh, what developing things were happening, you know, um, mm-hmm. people in critical condition, everything like that, where you could, donate to support the families, everything that I, I made the conscious decision to, to put that above it. And, you know, same thing now. I mean, the, the Warner Brothers number just came in like, 50, oh, I have that up on the homepage, but I also have the first story above that is, you know, about the healing process beginning and, and, you know, tribute to the people that were lost and everything like that. That's, that's where the priority should be for everybody in, in our industry. Um, and, and I think most people are respecting that. Yeah. You know, people so. did uh, did stay away from uh, airplanes and air travel in general quite uh, dramatically in the wake of 9-11. So uh, I can attest to that because I noticed that uh, airfares dropped pretty severely within uh, two or three weeks afterwards. And I saw that it was really cheap, and I went I went decided to go to Paris later on that year. Um you know, so I remember it, it definitely did. So I think that the people that were asking about this uh, were wondering if the same kind of psychological effect might have been a factor. And I thought maybe it might, you know, and it turned out to not be the case at all. So what, there, what that meant was that people had decided, you know, uh, this has nothing, uh, this movie has nothing to do with an aberrant human, you know, life form who decided to, murder people en masse in one theater. What's that got to do with anything? It's, 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 it's a disease. It's an NRA disease. It's the guy's individual disease. It's all these things that are about malignancies in our culture. And, 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 and why, why would it have anything to do with a, with a really great Chris Nolan film that I want to see? I don't see what it has to do with anything. 
So I think most people just had, just said the hell with it. I'm going to go anyway. Well, well, yeah, and I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sasha. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think that uh, the first news, you know, thing that came out about that was how every, afraid everybody was of copycat killers, and so I think that's what a lot of people might have been afraid of in the uh, in the wake of the shooting. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, uh, I don't know if we've ever had a shooting in a movie theater like that, and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, movies, I mean, I'm a little bit on the paranoid side anyway. I walk into any crowded room and I always, my first thought is, where's the bomb going to go off and how, where's the exit? Like, that's always my first thought. Even in a theater when we're packed in, like we were for The Dark Knight when we were in the in the IMAX, we were packed in. I thought, okay, so where are the exits and how would I get out <laughs> if I had to? Mm-hmm. But I... You know, and I always, you know, if you're if you're thinking and you're aware of what's going on and you know the amount of mass murderers in the city, I mean, and, and me as a parent, I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking about my daughter at school. I'm always thinking about what might happen if there's a shooter. You know, it, I run the thing through my head all the time. So my point is that if my daughter wanted to say she was 15 and I was, you know, it was like a day after the shooting and she said, I want to go see the dark night. You know, I, that would rush would come through me and I would go with her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to get tickets to the IMAX showing. It was all sold out. I couldn't get one ticket, which yeah. surprised me. Cause I thought, Oh, if the theaters are empty, as some people are reporting, why, yeah. why are these mm-hmm. tickets all sold out for like mm-hmm. days and days and days, even through the week. So mm. I think people are fighting their fear and they want to see the movie. And I think that the, the combination of those things is causing people inner conflict and they're really thinking hard about it. I'm scared. I don't want to go into a movies cause I'm going to feel scared in there. But I really want to see this movie. It's not like it was some movie that nobody cared about. It happened to be like the most anticipated movie of the year. Which is why um, the guy chose the dark Knight to do the act of horror. He, he chose the dark Knight deliberately because of the marquee value. Right. Of course. Yeah. That's why yeah. he got it wrong by having red hair instead of green hair because he didn't know anything about the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so um, Jet, incidentally, went to see it. Uh, my son Jet went to see it in Boston <clears throat> at a midnight show. Uh, same circumstances on Friday night. And he says some asshole yelled out, let's not have uh, anything happen here, guys. You know, like making a crack about it. And everybody would groan. Somebody called him an asshole, you know. But yeah. Wow. That was, that was Anybody on- makes a joke. Yeah. yeah. That's there's nothing funny about this yet, and and you know the everybody always says, well, it's the uh, is it too soon yet? You know, it, it's never time to to make a joke about this. I mean, uh, unbelievable. You know, it's. No, I, I mean, I I, I don't want to get like self righteous here, but it's just you know a lot of the way people react to this and how people just gloss over it, like it's just you know mm-hmm. another day, you know, another killing. It's it's really disturbing and yeah. Um, it says some. It's it's another thing, you know that that also speaks poorly of our culture. Not only can you know, not only not only do we create somebody like this guy who walks in there, but then we also have a culture of people who are just can just easily shrug it off and and just not feel the impact of it and not take it seriously. I mean, what does that say? You ever know anybody who uh, who who carries a gun? Have you ever been friendly with anybody who has that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've had a yeah, I have a couple of friends. One of my close friends from college is or college has a gun. 
or has guns. Um, and, and he has, he's a collector and he like, uh, does he carry a sidearm with him when he goes out, for instance? Oh, yeah, no, no, he never conceal carries. No, I, I don't think I'd ever hang out with somebody who conceal carries. That's a bunch of bullshit. Mm. Well, you can, you can, um, you can get permits. You can be, yeah. <clears throat> you can carry it legally. I dated a guy who carried a Magnum 45 in his uh-huh. back pocket. And I, as well. soon as I found that out, of course, I stopped dating him because how scary. But um, but he thought it was to, he'd been beaten up within an inch of his life. That just shows you that the NRA people uh, who say that, you know, an armed society is a safer society and they mm-hmm. want everybody to walk around armed. Well, this guy was a nut and he had been beaten up so badly and he got a gun for self-defense. He was totally trigger happy. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was scared, and and as everybody knows, a scared dog is the worst kind of dog, right? Mm-hmm. The most mm-hmm. violent. So, um, but yeah, I stopped dating him. He probably still carries that gun. I have no idea. I also dated another guy who was more responsible weapons carrier, um, and he yeah. used to carry all kinds of weapons with him because he was sure that the world was going to end any minute. <laughs> I know you're thinking thinking I pick the greatest guys, but. <laughs> That, you know, you didn't necessarily find out about this stuff until later. I, I went out for a little while with a Republican woman from Florida who was uh, uh, licensed to carry. She had a, uh, I think it was a Beretta, you know, kind of a woman's gun. But it was, uh, she, she went to the range and she could fire. And, she, and I asked her, I said, okay, now this makes you feel less threatened. You feel stronger, more more powerful. Certainly less intimidated by God knows what might happen if someone tried to accost you or pull you in an alley or something like that. But are you, have you thought about, you know, having a pistol and having you're ready, in other words, to put a bullet into somebody. You're ready, in other words, to, to murder somebody. You, you'll, you'll take them down and walk away and not blink an eye. I mean, let's think about the karma of that. I mean, it's one thing to stop somebody or to wound them if you're a good enough shot and you're if you're cool enough but the idea of actually being ready every day as you go out well this might be the day that i'll be forced to plug somebody mm-hmm. and i just think that that's that does horrible things to your spirit and I, I just the idea of living in that world i don't know how anybody could i mean as michael moore says there's a place called canada they don't have anywhere near the amount of of murders by guns yes they have them but not we're, we are the kings of this world we are the, nobody comes close to us. I mean, percentage-wise, and you know, we're we're, we're astonishing. Right? There's something really malignant about the the people that carry guns. I don't know what their issue is, but it's something about power and potency. They mm. feel they feel better, and it's that, fear. Yeah. But um, we'll just talk a little bit about this continuing, and then we'll move on to the Dark Knight because we still mm-hmm. haven't talked about mm-hmm. that movie, but. Just the last thing is that I'm hoping that the victims of these crimes um, get together and sue the NRA uh, class action lawsuit the way that the tobacco companies were sued for loss of life. And I think that would finally make wake them up to the notion that after 9-11, we cracked down on terrorism, you know, and we had to suffer because our privacy was being invaded, but the government mm-hmm. had carte blanche after after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever you think about that, they still got it. They didn't have a, a lobby like the NRA stopping them. And when Timothy McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma City uh, federal building, same mm-hmm. thing. They have license to watch guys like that now. Mm-hmm. And, but a guy like this goes in and shoots shoots up a theater, and the NRA says, sorry, 
Guns yep. don't kill people. People kill people. There's yep. nothing the government can do. That yep. means the government can't even watch if a guy's stockpiling. What did he spend? $15,000 on am- ammunition and weapons? Mm-hmm. And the government can't even look at that and say, you know, this guy is buying a lot of bullets. What the hell is he going to use it for? Let's go by his house and ask him, you know. Yeah. So people say, oh, you're advocating surveillance, and you're damn right I am, you know, because mm-hmm. now my freedom is being disrupted on a daily basis because I'm scared to go out of the house. I'm afraid of a shooter. So why should why should all of us have to pay just mm-hmm. because the NRA wants profits every year and because they supposedly want their freedom? And, well, you know what? You have to have a license to drive. You have to have insurance. You have to have tests. You pass tests. You know, you have to wear seatbelts. There's all kinds of regulations on driving, but not on shooting, not on gun ownership. The um, I don't know if you read there was a piece that a guy in, was it Slate or Salon, who wrote that the military tried to do a kind of an intervention or, a, or an education or a some sort of addressing the issue of individually owned firearms in the military. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to try to cut down the easy access or, or to make them think twice because the great number of suicides that happen have been happening in the military, particularly in the Middle East. They happen with individually owned firearms. The NRA somehow got in the middle of that and prevented anything along those lines from happening. They didn't even want that to happen. Mm. Uh, Obama has done nothing. He's too afraid of being not reelected if he were to say anything. Romney, of course, is not going to say anything. The only person of any uh, political standing or note has been uh, Mayor Bloomberg. Right. Right? Right. Nobody will stand up to the NRA. Nobody. Yeah. So we're on our own. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's why I say, you know, get them where they live. Sue them. Right. I hope ever, that, that, that that happens. But anyway, so. Anyway, uh, Jet felt the same way I did. Uh, I felt that the, the Dark Knight Rises was surprising how, how much of it, it just kind of picked up momentum. And, and after a while, you know, I could sit back, and I'm sure you, Phil, you, Sasha, could sit down and list problems, things that do, that do not add up, things that are bothersome. After about a half hour, maybe 40 minutes, I said, you know, I don't care about problems. I'm sorry. I can, I can, right then and there, I could have complained about two or three things, but I didn't care. It was moving so, uh, it was so well-structured and with such a great forward momentum that I was, I was delighted with it. So I, that's why I wanted to go back and see it again. Yeah. How about you, Phil? What did you think? No, no, I loved it too. I mean, I was with it the entire time and I, I saw it in you know, IMAX the way it's supposed to be seen. And yeah, I mean, I just went for the ride. You know, Christopher Nolan does escapism the way you're supposed to. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the best thing I can say about it. And it makes, it makes the adventures look like, I think, uh, what's his face from Hollywood reporter nailed it. Um, you know, it, it makes Avengers looks like child's play or whatever the review said from Hollywood reporter. It, it, it's not even the, in the same league. Right. You know, I know because nobody can make movies like Christopher Nolan does. Nobody, nobody has the the, the imagination and the um, box office clout to to make those kind of mm-hmm. movies. He really, yeah. I mean, it's it's really hard to. I mean, I'm glad that. It's so stupid to say, but I'm glad I had a chance to write about it before I heard about the tragedy. Um, yeah, because it would mix mix all together. It would be hard to you, – you would feel a certain – I know what you're saying. 
Yeah, only because it would be hard. It, I mean, it's sad. I don't know what it would be like to see it now. Um, I do want to see it again, but I, I do know that when I saw it, I loved it, and I wished I had seen it with a better crowd, you know, because the crowd, they were okay, but they were poker-faced, and it wasn't, you know, some of those moments are designed for a crowd, and if you don't get that crowd response, you might be inclined to think, oh, it's just not that powerful, but it is that powerful. It's just that these guys are trained to be critics and not to be movie fans. And someone attacked me on Twitter and said, oh, that's the Kevin Smith argument. Well, you know what? I mean, movies aren't made in a vacuum. He's not making a movie just so he can, like, jack off in front of a mirror. It's like the whole point of it is, you know, to move a crowd. He's communicating to a crowd. So I would like to have heard the crowd response, which is why I might try to get into, you know, another screening with actual fans Mm -hmm. to see it. Um, But all the same, it's, it's I find it weird that like people like Devin and Harry Knowles chose this particular movie to suddenly decide they weren't fanboys. Yeah, that's I don't funny. understand. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Knowles especially, it's like his fans get all mad and I had to say, you know, well, it's not like Harry doesn't like everything. Every crappy movie that comes down the pike, Harry Knowles likes until The Dark Knight Rises and then he chooses that moment <clears> to suddenly say, "Oh, I didn't like it." Why? Why this movie? Why now? Um Maybe they don't want to be called fanboys anymore. Maybe they're suddenly growing up and they want to be thought of as actual film critics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I thought that was curious and strange. That, that Devin way. didn't actually um, lambast it and call it a reprehensible or worthless film. He just thought it was good enough and agreeable and I didn't have it. If somebody else likes it, fine. He just thought it was, uh, I guess, he didn't feel it was substantial enough. He didn't feel it had the undertow. I completely disagreed. I mean, well, maybe not entirely disagree because I didn't really feel that whatever was underneath it was the thing. It was so well put together and so engaging and such a throttle to, to ride with that thing. It's like a great ride at Magic Mountain or something. I just had a yeah. wonderful time with it. Everything that Dark Knight did, this one yeah. upped it you know, three times. And, and the yeah. Dark Knight's similar to this in that it does feel like a ride and you can ride it all the way through. Um, Dark Knight Rises doesn't have a Heath Ledger, but it has a Catwoman, and she's mm-hmm. damn good. And she, to me, took the Heath Ledger spot of great performance. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's not on screen, you miss her, and you wish she was back. Um, I love Jordan or Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin. He yeah. was great. You know, I didn't know he was Robin until the end. <laughs> I hate that name. I always hated the name Robin. I hate it. <laughs> I just wish they would never, ever use that name for any guy or any character, ever, ever. Is Robin like a guy who wears (laughs) (laughs) flip-flops? I don't know. I'm... I thought he was great. I loved him. I don't. I don't think Christopher Nolan's going to do another one. But if he does, I hope it's like you said, Jeff. I hope it's a Robin show. I hope it's all about that. Um, I thought he was so cool. It's so good. You know, it's funny. Why do I respond to you know when Joe Scordon led that had leads and lots of things? He was excellent in um, in um, um, the last Nolan uh, film. Uh, um, why am I blanking on the last Nolan? You know, um, um, Inception. Inception. But he's. Um, I thought he handled that type of role, which is someone who just basically assesses information, <clears throat> tries to find out what's going on on the next block, gives an order to somebody, says, I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Very, very routine, very, very... But I thought he was so great in that type of role. I, I said, man, I would like to watch, with, stay with this guy 
for a whole movie just where he's it because I was really delighted with him. I've never liked him so much as I did in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I know. You know, you always had a problem with him and his looks. You never liked his looks. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, but I felt like it was great every time. Like he, what Christopher Nolan's really good at in all of his movies so far, even Insomnia, is uh, you know telling a whole bunch of stories at once from different angles. Yeah. And following and hopping around different characters, and that's the one thing he does with the Dark Knight uh, Rises and with the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Batman Begins well enough, unfortunately. But um, the only thing about, I mean, people are now writing articles about the plot holes and the Dark Knight Rises and, you know, all the things that are wrong with it. And uh, I guess the only, my only part of it that was, was uh, took me out of it a little bit was the idea that they're, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, is that they're under siege for so long. Like, it was hard for me to believe that they could have kept that going that long. Mm-hmm. But that was my only tiny gripe, and it really wasn't a gripe at all because, again, like you say, it's like you you know there there might be flaws, but you're willing to forget them. Just like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho has that last scene where they have to explain all the mental illness and this and that. I mean, that's not the best scene in the movie, and it could be cut out, you know, and nobody would particularly miss it or need it. But back then, nobody knew what you know what 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 Norman Bates was. Nobody knew, and it had to be explained. But, you know, you can complain about Psycho as having that really boring scene at the end, but it doesn't make it no, any less of a masterpiece. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, I guess I'm going to have to see it in IMAX this week uh, and not wait for, um, I mean, I, I guess the weekend's out because this, so what's it, what do you, is it okay to talk about this now? What do you expect it's going to do next weekend? Do you think it'll, it'll hold up really well. I mean, and, and even without the tragedy, would have held really well. I mean, it's it's just something that's playing. I mean, people love this movie. It's it's an event. If you don't see it, you're out of the loop. So, you know, it's it's going to do very well. It'll play well into you know September. Um, Where's it going to end up? Do you think? I I, I still say. About six hundred million. I, I could see it like uh, probably like anywhere between five seventy five and six hundred. I think because mm. um, I mean it's you know this is a slow period of the year traditionally. I mean August is and you know I mean you have Born, The Watch. It's you know all kind of middle of the road. You know not not quite blockbuster type films that come out. So right. you know it's it's smooth sailing from here on out. Yeah, it has. It has going to have legs, I think, only because, like, I know anything, but only because. I I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just going to say this: if it takes time for people to get to the movies, maybe it's going to take time for people to get to the movies. You know, maybe it's not going to be a sudden burst at the front. Maybe it's going to be a little bit on down the line. But eventually, um, I, I'm feeling Oscar buzz. <laughs> And I'm happy to stand alone on that. I really no. Am. I, I believe you. Age, you're completely it, right because I'm people... almost fifty, and I don't really care if I don't look like, you know, if I don't look like the guy who can correctly predict the Oscars. You know what I mean? It's like that. That that is less important to me than than riding the wave of something that might happen. Right. right. That's all I was going to say. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. <clears throat> that I think that the Academy people, uh, well, they acknowledged that they had given the Dark Knight uh, a short trip by not 
nominated for Best Picture, and that is why, at least that's the, the myth, is the reason that the 10 uh, nom- Best Picture nominations came about because of The Dark Knights being, uh, being uh, ignored. So uh, it's, it, this is the chance, like with the Peter Jackson films, maybe it's slightly analogous to the, to the, uh, uh, you know, the Lord of the Ring movies. On the last one, they would nominate it for Best Picture. I don't say it's going to win. Usually a, a fantasy action film based on a comic book doesn't have a chance with the 62-year-old white guys in the Academy. But I would think I would be very surprised if it wasn't um, nominated. I mean, I really would be surprised. I just think it's just too too strong, too good, too satisfying. And I they agree. have to make up for the Dark Knight uh, blow-off. They so. really do. At this point, three DGA nominations for Christopher Nolan and not a single Oscar nomination for director. After yeah. having made The Dark Knight Inception, which was nominated for Best Picture, that, mm-hmm. that Inception won as many Oscars as it did, and that it was even nominated for Best Picture, tells me that the Academy is very friendly toward Christopher Nolan now. The Academy at large. Maybe not the director's branch, but the Academy at large. That makes me think they loved Inception that much. They're not going to turn around and go, well, I hated The Dark Knight. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody other than like three critics has said that they hated it. Nobody. And yeah. so people's argument will be, well, nobody's going to put it as their number one because now they do the weird voting method where they every, it has to get a significant number of num- number ones. But if things go for the rest of the year the way they're going now, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't a lot of movies coming up. You know, there's Beasts of the Southern Wild, there's Moonrise Kingdom, and there's The Dark Knight Rises. And then there's everything else that's coming. And everything else that's coming is... Uh, Lincoln, Les Mis, you know, maybe Life of Pi, The Master for sure, Django Unchained, yeah. who knows how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's five. And unless they pick five and they shut out The Dark Knight Rises, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that there aren't going to be enough people in the Academy that are going to say, you know what, Christopher Nolan's time has finally come, and I'm really impressed with this guy's whole body of work, and I'm really impressed with this trilogy. And they did a stand-up job um, – uh, please mm-hmm. don't hate me for what I'm about to say, Phil. <laughs> I'm just going to say this one time, and I'm not going to belabor the point, I promise. But I would think that in light of recent events and everybody kind of needing to rally around the one movie that might help rescue a situation that might become really dire for movies, that that kind of goodwill... Um, would lead to, at the very least, a Best Picture nomination. Why do you, I have no problem with that. I mean, okay. I don't, we, we I, should I mean, rally I'm not, behind I'm not everything. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying, you know, I'm trying to talk about yeah. it without talking about it. Cause it it's Why would really... people think in general that perhaps going to movies itself is some kind of dicey proposition because of one tiny, tiny? pathetic malignancy of Aurora, Colorado? Uh, fear is an irrational emotion. You know, you don't really, you have to. You have to force yourself to confront fear. And wh- whatever you think about it, it's people are still going to... It comes at a time when people, a lot of adult people, are preferring their home theaters. And, you know, movies have taken a hit anyway, theater movies. And so theater going. And this is sort of like the last thing it needed. You know, you can hear my breath is halting because I really hate talking about it. It bothers me. But mm-hmm. I just... I just want to say that I feel like Hollywood and the public kind of needs to rally at this point to show that 
theaters are tightening their security. There's nothing to be afraid of now, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and this is a great movie that doesn't deserve to be punished because of some, you know, psycho who, mm-hmm. who has decided to make people scared, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. We're, look, we're all going to be a little bit nervous for a while. I think for, for anybody to, to say that they won't be, you're, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to everybody else. I mean, we spend more time than anybody in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. I haven't been back since it happened yet. I'm going to go this week to see something. But for, for a while, I'm going to be like, you know, Tony Soprano at, at the end of The Sopranos. You know, everybody's <laughs> going to walk through the door and, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit nerve wracking. You know, yeah. why lie about it? But we'll, we'll get over it as a community. You know, that'll happen. Yeah. That's I, it. I, you know how at screenings we have to check our bags and they have to look inside our bags? They do a preliminary weapons check. But they're not checking for weapons. They're checking for cameras. You know? So from now on, I'm sure that they'll probably do some sort of scanning or screening for people as they come into the theater so that... And if they had screened and scanned prior yeah. to that particular screening in Aurora, they would not have gotten anything because he had his gear, his guns outside the theater. I know. He went outside. It made no difference whatsoever. No, it would have it, made it's no It's true. Difference. It's true. But guess what? People are going to start watching the emergency exits now. You know, he's a, that was a one-shot deal. Now people are aware and nobody's going to, you know, anytime somebody tries to open that door, you know, maybe they'll set alarms off. Um so yeah. Well, I hope so because that would be the thing to do: not scan people before they go in. Although I guess metal screeners is not such a bad thing. Well, this guy but, in Afghanistan told me that he has to go through two different weapons checks when he goes to the movies. Mm-hmm. So mm. I don't know. You're right, but I, I think that any kind of cautious security at a movie theater is going to make people feel safer. That's the key, you know, um, because there was no security. At this theater, none. And he mm-hmm. knew he saw a vulnerable um, spot, and he took it. He took full advantage of sitting ducks. He had all of the advantage because he was wearing full body armor, and it was a dark theater, and it was the midnight show, and it was packed, and yeah. people were unarmed, mm-hmm. you know, and they couldn't see anything in the dark. And he was wearing bulletproof clothing. That shows you what a coward he is. Well, he was anticipating there might be some people from NRA members packing in, yeah. at the theater, I guess. <laughs> because if they had been packing, they would have taken him out. That's the stupidest mm-hmm. argument in the world. There's no way. Oh, I, yeah, I can't stand people making that argument. And they keep doing it all the time. Yeah. Their arguments are just, it's beyond idiotic. And I don't, I don't even feel like engaging them, but it's hard not to. I they mean, all say when that. When they say they have the, the right to buy 6,000 rounds, give me a fucking break. Like, who the hell needs 6,000 rounds? Who the hell needs the... an assault rifle? Who needs an assault yeah, rifle? Yeah, it's... Who needs an know? assault rifle that can, sh- that can fire 50 rounds in under a minute? Do you know how much damage he could do with one shot in that theater? I mean, he just well, shoots the... the trigger once and it goes off 50 times. The NRA argument is that deer hunters sometimes are bad shots. So if you have a machine gun <laughs> and you're shooting at the deer, you'll, you'll definitely uh, hit them at least a couple of times. Yeah, you're like the worst hunter ever if that's what you have <laughs> to hunt. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> should be out in the, in the middle of the woods where other people are if, if that's the case. Exactly, I mean, right? Yeah. They could hit on. anybody. That, that, that's, oh, those, just, those weapons are designed to kill people, period. That's what they're designed for, and that's, that's why oh, they should be banned. Totally what they're about, yeah. 
Well, and, and the scary detail was that I, I don't know if you got guys caught this that came out, but his the the gun jammed. You know that that stopped him from. You know that's the difference between you know twelve people dead and and twenty four or thirty. God. You know, so yeah, it's really frightening. Could have happened. You yeah, know. he he had no practice, so he was going in there. Because they didn't let him shoot at the right range, the guy thought he was too crazy, so they didn't let him shoot there. So he didn't. He wasn't like some of these other shooters who actually had. And he didn't play shooter games either. Mm-hmm. He just trusted that rifle to do all the work for him, and it did. Until it mm-hmm. jammed, which thank God for that. He um, his one of his his automatic rifle jammed. I read that somewhere. So you're saying that was the end of it when it jammed. I don't know what the time frame was. I don't know if that's the end of it because I know he, he no, walked he, in he with kept, three yeah. things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so I think he switched or something. But he might have switched. I mean, that slows him down. People leave the theater. You know that that right. saved lives. You know. Now we didn't. Uh, if I could just change the subject, because we did not have a chance to speak in the wake of Comic Con. Uh, Phil, you don't go to Comic Con, right? No, I didn't go to that. No. But I'd like to uh, just tell me what your sense is about the Warner Brothers, Peter Jackson, uh, tent folding, capitulation, turn tail about showing uh, uh, 48 <laughs> frames a second. They obviously wimped out big time. And they're afraid. They were afraid of CinemaCon 2, in which the same reaction were like, oh, this is not cinema. It's the end of death of cinema. We know it. Who wants high def video? Blah, blah, you know. So they, they, they chickened out. Now, what I suspect, and I have no absolute, uh, nothing factual, nothing, no sources, but I, some, a little voice is telling me that they're going to go a little soft on this 48 frames when it comes out at the end of the year because they are not looking to get any kind of tempestuous uh, anti-48 frames thing. They're going to do it very spottily. That's just a guess, total guess. What do you what do you think? Well, no, I mean, yeah, I've been saying that all along that this – Taking a Lord of the Rings movie, which is, you know, from an established property that people have, you know, not only seen the movies in theaters a bunch of times, but watched it on home and on DVD. You can't screw with the look of that because everybody has this image in their head of what a Lord of the Rings movie is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. If you want to experiment with 40 frames per second, 48 frames per second, do it with just a new movie that that nobody has any preconceived notions about or anything like that and and try it out that way. This, This just isn't the right approach. And I mean... C- CinemaCon, yeah, they're, they're right to be scared after CinemaCon. That that reaction was safe for a couple people, you know, like yourself, actually, Jeff, who who thought it was good. Um, the the reaction was pretty toxic. I didn't think it was good. I thought it was astonishing and historic, yeah. and not but not for regular movies. That's what I kept trying to emphasize over and over. Not for regular movies that Sasha or I or or you, Phil, would. You know, probably like the best. I'm talking about just the dumb spectacle stuff. It's it's the best thing that's ever happened. That's all. Well, yeah. Uh, apparently, and I'm, they... I'm closer to your side than I am the the negative side because again, it's you know, it's a matter of being on the right side of history. You know, that eventually that will take over, and that will be what a lot of directors start shooting it. So I don't want to be the one who's saying, you know, that newfangled sound ain't going to work. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to say that. That's um, true. But I, what I got was that they, Hall H wasn't properly set up for, um, for, to screen at 48 frames per second. That's, and that's why they didn't do it. That That's what I heard, but I don't know if that's, that's the official answer or not, but 
Um, I heard that Hall H, it couldn't accommodate it, and so they didn't even bother. The only way they could have done it is if the studio had ponied up a huge amount of money to make it ready for that. So, um, but I agree. I mean, the, the Hobbit, I don't even know what the budget is on it, but you know they're expecting a huge return. So they're going to mess with it by creating more bad buzz among the very community they hope to sell it to. Why do you think it's going to be bad buzz? The buzz that we heard because out of Comic-Con Cinemacon. was... Was because largely the you know the traditionalists, uh, you know who who um, you know didn't like the idea of not watching a movie as they know a movie. They don't like that look. Well, they right? all said it looked like video. I mean, didn't Peter of Slash Film, who again is like Harry Knowles, he's so benign, he likes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said it, it looked bad. It looked like video. And if you got a guy like that saying it, someone who's not you know Devin is is more known for being critical all the time of everything, but but mm-hmm. Peter isn't. And Peter has a huge following, mm-hmm. and you know he's he's Mr. Slash Film. So Slash Film's a huge site. So if he thought it was bad, then they go and they repeat that at Comic Con. You know what are you going to? You're going to kill the movie. Boy, <clears throat> um, but, you know as, as 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 Peter said, Peter Jackson. Um, once you settle into it, and you would see the whole movie, it would it would you would uh, probably change your. Your, your viewpoint. But I have a feeling that they're afraid. They're just running scared. And the fact that they didn't show up at Comic-Con to even try... You know, how about this? Wouldn't, couldn't they have at least shown some footage and all but shown it, maybe shown, you know, shown it in two versions? Here's what it looks like 24, and but they probably would have people saying, well, I don't like the, uh, the 48 frame. I'd rather see... And I really would love it if they would just at least accept that if they don't want to... If they're afraid of 48 and they're going to be chicken about it, if they could at least institute an industry-wide 30 frame per second, which all it does is just it cleans it up and it smooths out action and, and motion, fluidity. It's really beautiful. And mm-hmm. this is an innovation, remember, that was introduced into uh, first-run theaters in 1955, you know, over 60 years ago. And uh, was that over 50? Wait a minute. What is, what is that? Uh, yeah, that's over 60 years ago. 50 years ago, excuse me, over 50 years ago. And that was with Fred Zinnemann's uh, Oklahoma when they showed it in Tadeo, 70 millimeter, 30 frames per second. It was really something else. Uh, they also showed it with a film called uh, Around the World in 80 Days. And then the system was downgraded to 24 frames per second, which is the standard that we've had since the 1920s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just don't think you can expect people to move too far too fast. You know, they're already getting used to digital, and now they're going to get used to 3D. And then to expect them to also, on top of that, get used to... I mean, maybe maybe they will. Maybe there are some people who are open-minded about it like you are and really want to see something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like no, it's far, we're far away from that being the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, it worries me because if you can't... You know, if you show footage to an industry crowd that is open to the idea of new technology, that's, that's what CinemaCon is all about. Right. And they reject it. That means, for the most part... When you try to show it in theaters where people who don't read industry news on a daily basis are just showing up to see a movie and they're paying 15 bucks each, they're going to walk out in the first five minutes right. and say that something is wrong with the projection and, and say we want our money back or something like that. That's, that's what you'll experience, and, and that's probably what you know, Warner Brothers is afraid of. I'm not agreeing with it. Um, I'm just – Sasha, you're right. You know, people – our, our technology is moving too fast. You know, hit the brakes a little bit. Let people get accustomed to digital and then ease into everything else. They're just moving way too fast. Yeah. 
I mean, if mm-hmm. the reaction had been great in CinemaCon, if everybody had come out like you, Jeff, that would be a different story. But there were enough people who who had negative that it didn't dampen. It didn't uh, that your enthusiasm didn't diffuse their negativity. The mm-hmm. lead story coming out of CinemaCon was the negativity towards it. And like I have said here before, I, my one thought as I was watching the Avengers which I was not having that great a time with. I was, you know, kind of shitty sitting there waiting for it to do something other than just do what I was doing. I was saying to myself, if that was in 48 frames, I would have been much more enthusiastic about that film because it just didn't have enough going on internally. I thought it was just one, you know, uh, uh, one fight after another, one conflict after another. It just had very little on its mind. So, you know... I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm repeating myself, but it's just—it's a beautiful uh, format for uh, dumbass popcorn movies. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm sure it would be good. Well, at least you'll be happy to know that my Avengers <laughs> talk is going to stop now because of the Dark Knight, as Phil said, just blows it out of the water. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't good, look more. Good, good. Yeah. It couldn't look more insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, maybe it's more of a general audience movie, but what Christopher Nolan does with superheroes, you know, mm-hmm. is such a huge difference compared to <clears throat> Hey, did you go to Chris uh, Tapley's goodbye party? I did not, no. Did you go? You know, I asked him what's going on with it because he had sent out something on Facebook and they withdrew it. He said we were too fast about that. And then uh, I said I'd love to see their photos from... Positano in Rome, and he says, well, I'm not into posting stuff that's private, you know, I mean, maybe I'll show it to you sometime. I said, well, maybe you can show it to me at your party. I said, great. So yesterday, I go to the David Geffen thing at the Beverly Hilton, which is part of a PBS thing, and I wanted to hear David Geffen talk about himself, and I spent a lot of time there, and I then I came back and I transcribed. It was a lot of work for a piece that nobody gave a shit about. <laughs> nobody. Oh, <laughs> And um, and then and then I see uh, late at night as I'm about to go to sleep that Tapley had his party. He just said, "What? He just spring it on people in the morning?" Oh, by the way, we're having it today. Hurry up! It, you know, just come on over. I mean, I didn't get anything from him. I mean, unless no, I- he. I don't think he sent anything out. I think it was something he pushed up. I'm not really sure the details of it though, because I wasn't going to go, so I didn't really follow it. But, um, not. Not to say that I wouldn't celebrate Chris. Chris Tapley, who writes for In Contention, is leaving for a year with his wife April to go live in New York City and right. do Oscar stuff from there, which I think is right. a really great idea. I think they want to sure. do something great. like that before they settle down and start having kids. So yep. it's a smart so, move. I wonder what he's found uh, apartment-wise. Uh, Phil knows well enough, as I do, that it's a brutal place to find a decent place to live uh, for two people forget you know the best you can hope for is uh, even with a healthy income is like a little studio somewhere i mean it's really tough there i don't know i know he's got a lot of connections that's all i know Mm. but i guess we'll find out i'm going to try to go to new york and visit him and I'm sure you'll visit him when you're there, Jeff, as you go I'm often. Gonna go, I'm, I was told that I really, really should not uh, hesitate about going to the New York Film Festival, which um, I guess is going to be a significant thing. It might even, this is, could be a big thing, fellas, because it's, it's going to end only three weeks before Lincoln debuts. So they might uh, use that as the closing nighter, possibly. Who knows? I, maybe. Maybe. I hope it's yeah. good. I hope Lincoln's good. We've started at, at my website a book club and we're going to read team of rivals oh yeah so and it's a 900 page um 
Very highly respected book. Everybody that uh, is a Lincoln fan is uh, it's, uh, people who know about Abraham Lincoln has wrote. But do you honestly think there's going to be the slightest resemblance between what Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote and what Steven Spielberg is going to put on the screen? Well, she first of all, Doris Kearns Goodwin took 10 years to write that book. She's like one of the smartest people about um, presidential history, but she's also really entertaining the way she talks. She's a really, really good storyteller. Um, and I watched an interview with her where she said she worked pretty closely with um, with uh, Tony Kushner, right? Tony, right? Yeah. Tony Kushner is his name, right? I'm not getting that yeah. wrong. <laughs> that, that, that's it, Tony, Tony Kushner. Tony Kushner, who wrote Angels in America, uh, is, mm-hmm. is adapting it. And uh, for, as far as I know, and, and she worked with Spielberg a lot too, and he, he kept asking her questions. It's like she was sort of their source on a lot of things. You know, how tall was this person? How fat was this person? So they did work very closely with her, which means to me that at the very least it's going to be very authentic to the time. But what I've heard from Scott Feinberg is that they only really follow the last part of Team of Rivals. Uh, I still want to read the book, and I'm getting a bunch of people to read it with me just because it's, I'm, I'm afraid to take on a 900-page book. <laughs> but I could do it. I can barrel through. I know I can. Mm. Um, but I was watching Ken Burns' Civil War on on uh, Netflix, and yeah. boy, is that – if you want to watch a, a thing about a president who's kind of facing you know, something a lot more serious than Obama was facing, but at a time when the country was as divided as it is now mm-hmm. – you know, watch that because it's pretty interesting about slavery and and um, the kind the kind of heat that the president took and how how he wasn't even on the ballot in all these southern states when when the election came. That's how much I they hated him. Wasn't it Aaron Sorkin who said to somebody that the country as is as divided culturally, the us versus them as any time since the Civil War today, and uh, honestly, if I, I kind of there's a little part of me a little romantic. Uh, kind of Clint Eastwood part of me that wishes we were living in the 1860s so that we could go to war against John Boehner and all those awful, awful people, Eric Cantor. That would be that would be so emotionally satisfying. Yes, that's a silly thing to say, given the horrendous thing that, that war is in general. Well, but I, I, I agree with it. I hate those people. I, I think that uh, if there is a, another civil war, it'll be over gun control, of all things. I think that that is as contentious as a topic that, yeah. that could induce violence um, as, as slavery was at the time. Because at the time, you weren't even, even if you were Lincoln, you were not even allowed to really say that you, that you thought black people were equal to white people. You weren't even allowed to say that, which he could mm-hmm. never really say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, but, but she said it. She said that we're such a divided country right now that we won't see an election like the one we saw with Bush and Gore now. You know, we won't see an election that close because we're so divided. Mm. So, yeah. So divided that there's so many people that hate Obama that there's it's really an even Stephen thing. But as one thing that I take comfort in is the uh, 538 uh, New York Times columnist um, who wrote that uh, when it's up for grabs and things are have not come down to an either or and we're not in the crunch time that the Incumbent gets the default objections, all all uh, dis- discomfort and complaints, which everybody feels amongst Obama's base and everything. So it, there's a lot of um, um, ample amounts of, of, of unhappiness and 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 frustration. So naturally, Obama's negatives are not going to be with a. They're going to be up to Nate Silver is the guy I'm talking about, and he mm-hmm. basically so things are going to even out. But I'm, I'm amazed that as many people 
that the the right, the, the, the rules, and particularly my favorite people in this country, the low information voters, do, do not care about any of the uh, Romney problems about not revealing taxes. They and don't. Tax haven. They don't give a damn about it. They say, listen, no. if you can make me feel a little bit better and give me a little more money in the right. pocket, fuck all the rest of it. You know, it's just they amazing. don't care. I mean, that's why I think that the left needs to lay off on the taxes thing, because they don't care about that. They they think in their minds, oh, he's entitled to make whatever he wants. He doesn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. report his income. That's typical liberals, you know, condemning a rich man for having made a fortune, you know. But I think he's hiding something significant. I think he's hiding a major scandal, uh, like something maybe that ties him to some of the bank bailouts. You know, I don't know what it is, but But the low information voters, I'm trying to make a point, though. It's not just that they don't care about his hiding tax income. They don't seem to understand that the very reason that this country went into a collapse in in 08 was because of finaglers and hotshots and guys in the elitist class who played games with the nation's economy and gangster bankers. It's that crowd. We're talking about a very relatively small group, but a few hundred thousand, a few thousand guys. They caused this thing. They just as surely as, you know, any criminal caused uh, uh, the society to suffer on some level. I mean, they cause, and they won't buy into that because they, the whole thing about uh, low information, tax um, um, Tea Party people is they, that you can do anything you want. This is a this is a Wild West country. If you can get away with it, you're entitled to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really sickening. They just won't buy into anything. That, that's obvious. No. I mean, it's right there. You know, they, they just ignore it. You know? Well, that's why I think Romney's going to win. You know, oh my God! Well, I know, but even after all the scandals that hit, his the polls were still dead even. I know you're saying that that, that the numbers show that Obama might pull through, but see, Obama can't go after Romney for the Wall Street stuff because Obama has sheltered all the Wall Street people, so and hired them. You know, so he can't he can't go off on him that way, and he won't talk about gun control. You know, I don't know why nobody's taking on gun control, but for me as a voter, that's like almost number one. You know, and I would love for a candidate to have the balls to stand up the way Lincoln did against slavery. You know, Lincoln took way more heat than anyone would standing up to the NRA. Oh, he remembered Abraham Lincoln did not stand up because it was morally right. He felt that it would be uh, good for the country's unity. He he did he did it for practical reasons. He wasn't really like a um, moralistic preacher president. He felt that um, that um, Emancipation Proclamation, which was, I believe. Enacted in '64, I think. Um, well, what Doris Kearns Goodwin says—I mean, that's how I'm going to start every sentence from now on. Well, what Doris Kearns Goodwin says is, what she says is that um, he grew as he went along. He he started out being a non-passionate president, but as the war grew and as he he stayed in his presidency, he became moral about slavery. Okay. He did change his mind about it, and he does have some really amazing quotes for a person of that time. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. I feel like I support Obama and I'm going to fight for him and he's way better than Romney. But I wish I've never heard anybody say that Romney's going to win. I mean, I think that at the very the word the most the most the worst thing that I can foresee happening is that Obama squeaks in the, the you know, I can't see him. It just it's just I hope Obama I, squeaks know. in. I hope he's our second term president. I really do. So we'll see. But I, what's going to happen, Phil? What, do you, what is your gut telling you? I'm voting third party. Who are you going to vote for? Uh, I don't know. Whoever, whatever viable third party comes out. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm so disappointed with Obama. It's not even funny. 
I mean, he's just such a, you know, and this is another example, the, the, the gun control stuff. He just, he, d- he does his photo opportunity, goes, talks to the families, and then walks aside and, and doesn't take any kind of heat for anything. He, doesn't, he, he hasn't he been does, tough enough. He wants to get Wall reelected. Street. He's just trying to be reelected. Right? He's, I mean, he's probably going to win anyway. I'm sorry, Sasha, I disagree with you here. But the, the debates, it's not even going to be funny. He's just going to rip Romney to shred. And, and that's, right. you know, where, what it comes down to, really, when you see the two candidates next to each other. It's not even going to be fair. It'll be just as bad as when it was him with, with McCain. But I, I, I just refuse to, to enter into this, you know, well, Romney's the bad guy, but, you know, let's pick Obama because he's cool and, and sings Al Green. Give me a fucking break. I, I'm I'm just tired of it. But you can't. Uh, you can't. You don't want Romney. Romney. Wait, we can have Jeff. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Other countries have more choices than we do. We're stuck with this bullshit, you know, two-party system. Uh, it's it, we can. We're in the information age. Come on, like, wait, wake up a little bit. We, no, we I, I completely. I wish we yeah. had a real left-wing candidate. I would love to be. I wish we had somebody that really thinks the way you do and I do. I, I completely feel what you're saying, but not when it comes to. A Romney uh, threat. I think that but, you know it's like horrible. The idea they're that- doing the they're doing the same thing though. Every election they turn it into the apocalypse election. That's the way it was with Bush and Kerry too. And then Democrats just got lockstep behind Kerry because we said, you know, oh, you know, that was the first election I voted in, and it was the attitude well was well Kerry kind of sucks, but better than Bush. And then you know he was better than Bush. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like. Okay, you know, what, what would you rather watch, Transformers or Transformers 2? You know, it's, what, it's really a significant difference not to have someone as uh, malignant and, and, and really destructive with, with absolutely no interest in, in, in trying to, you know, re, uh, regulate or control. I know he's just as bad in a way as Obama is just as bad, but, you know, there, if you have somebody who's demonstrably stupider, dumber, more corrupt, more in league with the bad guys, quote-unquote, if whoever you want to... I just don't... I think it's, you have to... Almost all elections are about holding your nose and voting for somebody that's less bad. You know? It's always like that. Well, yeah, I mean, look, my point is that Obama's going to win anyway. It, it, would, it would mean a lot to me if enough of us who are sick of this um, just, just said we're not going to buy into it. You know, let's, let's not vote this way, and let, let's try to start get some momentum behind third-party people or, or independents. I mean, look at, you know, to, to point to what independents can do, look at what Bloomberg can do. Look what See, he can say about gun control. You know, I, that, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? I hear that. But yeah. what I'm yeah. thinking is that um, Obama is going to save his big moves for his second term, and I think that he wants to get reelected, and so he's not going to go take on gun control because it's bad enough that people think he's a socialist and a terrorist and a Muslim. And a Muslim, yeah. And if he starts talking about guns, it's going to play right into their idea that Obama likes to And so, yeah, it's about strategy. It's about misleading the American people to a degree who believed in you. And I think one of the reasons that we have superhero movies that are so popular is because we thought Obama was going to be our superhero, and he wasn't. I don't mean to give the right a talking point, but... That's what people were hungry for, and that's what they're still hungry for. But I have to believe that the things I've seen Obama do um, affect me directly. So that is trying to get health care passed and the stuff, the reform he's done on student loans. Those two issues, uh, his stance and his intelligence about um, single parenting and poverty in America, none of those things Romney cares about. Now, Romney's going to be just another puppet to people like Dick Cheney and his ilk. Mm-hmm. Carl Rove and the Koch brothers. 
And for me, it's about overturning Citizens United. And it's about overturning this unlimited spending in elections. And that's why I think Romney is going to win, because of the amount of money that they're raising. I just saw two elections in California. I mean, one election and two initiatives go down because of the money that was spent, because of Citizens United. So it's mm-hmm. crucial that we get a Democrat. It's crucial to do it now. Um, Why don't you explain what Citizens United is to those Citizens who United was entirely a, sure. It was a Supreme Court decision that basically made corporations have the same rights as people, which means right. they can donate unlimited funds to a cause. Right. That's where the super PACs are coming from. And the, and the Republican guy right now, Romney, I think Rachel Maddow said something like, for the first time, um, the challenger is raising more money than the, um, than the president, than the incumbent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's about that. I, all the right. other things don't matter as much, but we're talking about the Supreme Court. We're talking about Citizens United. If Romney gets in there, forget it. Yeah. The money, the 20 people or so, mm-hmm. this is what it's going to come down to, donations from about 20 people who are going to decide our presidency. We're not going to let that happen in America. That's Mm -hmm. not what America's supposed to be about, is it, really? Is that the end of capitalism? Mm -hmm. Is that? I don't think so. Mm. And Obama's our best chance. And if we get in a Ralph Nader in there, who's going to make the difference, then we won't get enough votes, and and Obama won't win, and Romney will. This is a center-right country. I wish it were a center-left country. I wish it was a a much brighter, more perceptive, more... um, uh, impassioned country as far as what really matters in identifying the the plundering tendencies of corporations and how they're essentially not on people's side. But people don't seem to get it. They're really, really stupid out there. And uh, I just wish you, I wish that people had had more education and read a little bit more and didn't have such low information voter attitudes, but they do. It's really a shame. But that's well, that's the world we live in. That's true. That's true, but if, if the right ringers get their way, you know, democracy won't even people the vote right to vote won't even matter anymore because it'll all be about money. And to a degree, it always has been. But yeah. it's yeah. it's a crucial time in our history right now that this this has to be overturned. We're never going to yeah. overturn it with the Supreme Court we have right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Phil, what, what's happening next weekend besides uh, Dark Knight uh, Rises number two? Is there anything significant opening? Probably not, huh? Uh, the watch um, that what looks like a dreadful Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, alien invasion which, comedy, which, which, which used to be called Neighborhood Watch before the yeah. Trayvon Martin uh, shooting, right? Which I think was kind of overreacting, but whatever. Better safe than sorry. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just whatever. It'll it'll do what it does, and it'll barely make a dent in you know Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's, 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 isn't that the worst? Uh, that what you what we're afraid of when a feature film comes out from a studio? Let's have it about some some douchey guys who <laughs> see themselves as protectors of their neighborhood, and they, they you know they've got ego problems. Imagine if that were like a I don't know, a movie made back in the eighties would have been about guys within their issues, but now it's got to be about aliens. What a what an awful place we've come to in terms of telling. <laughs> story you know <laughs> but tell me it's gonna bomb yeah. phil is it gonna bomb is it gonna be like that other movie uh, that just bombed whatever? well <laughs> relatively speaking it's gonna bomb yeah let me put it that way it's i i still think there's an audience for that kind of stuff unfortunately and you know ben stiller vince vaughn and, and jonah hill combined that kind of guarantees that some people are going to show up but yeah. you know it mm. uh, 
I'm I'm lowering my expectations for it in, in terms of what it can do next weekend, and our our prediction will probably drop from it's it's about like mid twenties right now, and I'm thinking it'll be closer to to low twenties. Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, it's a, here one day, gone the next. You know, it's forgettable. I'm very much looking forward, incidentally, to the campaign. I, I would uh, can't wait to see that, and that'll be not too long from now, right? That, isn't that like yeah, that's August 10th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't wait to see that either. I, I think that looks genuinely funny. Yeah, and I think people people are ready for something like that because we're already in the midst of the you know bickering sure. in, in terms of the campaign. So yeah, it's it's perfect timing, and yeah. Zach Alphanakis can do no wrong in my book. Right, that guy, everything he does, just I'm on the floor. So I know I can't wait. That'll be good. And you know, the one thing that I really liked, what, what made me like Will Ferrell genuinely, I never really thought he was hugely funny. Even Anchorman, I wasn't really taken with him. I felt that he was playing to, to people of a, of a relatively simplistic, low mentality, guys who like to drink on weekends. But I, but I really liked him when I saw him live playing George Bush on that, in that Broadway show. Did you uh, happen to go to that by any chance? I wish I nope. had. I would love to. I watched it on HBO. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did a whole thing where he was riffing. You know how George Bush liked to give people nicknames? He did a thing where he asked people in the audience. He just stopped the show and says, just tell me your name and what you do. And, and a person would tell them what they do. And, what they, and he would give them a nickname right there and then. Bam. You know? <laughs> and then he'd go on to the next person. I said, this is cool. He's doing this live. He doesn't, these aren't plants. And he's coming up with some pretty decent lines. And he, half of the stuff he said was pretty funny. Yeah. And I said, man, I really like this guy now. The first yeah. time I really liked Will Ferrell. So yeah. it's, this is a political vein. So something tells me he's going to be good in this. Yeah, he's definitely always been good at improv. You know, the best mm-hmm. comedians are. They can, they can be funny on their feet like that. And especially yeah. him, you know. Yeah. I mean, he was. I mean, I don't know what it is when you're when you're good at improv, but he didn't even think about it. He he just like boom. He just gave people names right away. Gave them nicknames, and I was really impressed. You know, it's like when you're with anybody and they're and they're being funny and they just come up with stuff. Oh. You know, I was really delighted with that, and it wasn't that great a show. You know, it was just him doing Bush and doing that, but it was. I was really. I, I went out saying this guy is good. So anyway, yeah. that mattered. Well, okay. I'd like to uh, close the podcast by saying, yeah. please, everyone, go out and buy a ticket to The Dark Knight and uh, sit in a theater. Yeah. Because. And, and, yes. and, and as a way of uh, saying no to that whole thing. And that's, that's definitely what I'm going to try and do sometime this week. And I've decided, incidentally, as a side note, <clears throat> all my life I've been watching John Ford movies, Monument Valley, John Wayne, all that stuff. I'm going to finally go to Monument Valley on August 2nd. Uh, I'm going to take a short pl- flight to Vegas, drive. God, it's awful. It's like five, six hours to drive there. But that, but I'm going to finally see it after, you know, all my life watching that place. So have you ever gone, Sasha? You're a big traveler. Do you ever? I don't go- think I've ever gone to Monument Valley. If I have, I've I've just driven past it. But I'd, I'd really like to see it. I bet it's beautiful. By the way, I meant to say, say this week, not this weekend. I think I said everybody go out and buy a ticket to the Dark Knight this week. Maybe <laughs> next weekend. How about that? No. Yeah. And there are a bunch of funds popping up, too, if, if we're on that topic. Um, Huffington Post has one running right now. And I know um, off the record that others are going to come up soon. So, Great. you off know, the by all means, if you What's going to come up soon? Fundraisers for the victims of oh, okay. yeah. Fine. the Aurora Yeah, so, I mean, but, you know, by all means, if, if you're listening to this and you can spare something, it's a good gesture. 
you know. Absolutely. Spare something and yeah. give it to whom? It'll, it'll go to the families, the victims' families. Yeah, but how do you do it? Online, you mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, crowdrise.com, um, Huffington Post one has one on there. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a bunch of others will, will pop up. Okay. Um, so, yeah, by all means. I mean, so. if, if, if people can raise $700,000 for the bus driver who was bullied yeah. by those dumb fucks, mm-hmm. then, you know, who knows what we might be able to raise helping out the victims. So good that you mentioned that, Phil. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Yeah, all nice right. talking with you. Sorry right. it was such a somber topic, such a somber day. Yeah, it, it is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. So. Let's talk next weekend. Okay, okay. sounds Thanks, guys. good. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode 84 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music today was Two by the Dixie Chicks, I Hope, and Godspeed. Dragon tails and the water is white Pirates sail and lost boys fly Fish bite moonbeams every night And I love you Godspeed, little man Sweet dreams, little man Oh, my love will fly to you each night on angels' wings. God's me.
God bless Dad and thanks for the stars. God hears Amen where.